I've uh, I've had to take a couple of deep breaths before recording this this episode of the podcast um, because it's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> Welcome to Conversations with Immaculate. My name is Immaculate. Um, this is my podcast. This is my platform. This is where I share, and this is where I have conversation. Um, conversations that we think we shouldn't have conversations that we've always wanted to have and conversations we find difficult to have and I think in saying that today's conversation is going to be a little bit difficult I've been trying to drink tea the whole morning um, trying to prepare my voice because I feel like it sounds a little bit husky quarter to baritone um, and I'm trying to speak at a higher octave than the usual (laughs) so if I sound upbeat it's not because it's intended it's just because I think my body um has already caved in at the idea of me having this conversation um but yeah without further ado thank you so much for joining me with this episode of the podcast Welcome to Conversations with Immaculate and let us have a conversation. So with this conversation, um, to be quite honest, I think I've been putting it off. Um, I really have been struggling to have this conversation and no one is forcing me to have the conversation. That's the thing. I think I, I created Conversations with Immaculate for the very reasons that I've given you and I know for myself in order to be true and authentic to who I am it's only authentic to myself to speak about where I'm at in this journey of life and something that I feel tends to be quite reflective on other people um in terms of what generally we go through and another thing I've, I've found in having conversations because I mean I had conversations long before I made it an actual you know um, I don't know platform I found that a lot of things that we go through tend to be universal and I think a lot of times when you go through something you you have this very very strong belief that it's only befallen on you when you're the only person going through it and you're the only person going through that much pain. Um, but it's, it's quite universal and therefore if, you know, it, it, I know a couple of people that are going to listen to this that I know personally that are in grief. Um, and so I don't know, I guess when they listen to this and they see themselves in that, it, it kind of makes... It makes it a little, not better, but it makes it more, you're validated in your pain, you know, you're seen and your pain and your trauma makes sense. And so to be quite honest, I actually recorded this episode, I think a month ago, and I've been struggling to release it. And when I keep listening to it, it's it's a little bit inaudible, just based on the tons of crying <laughs> on the episode. And 
I felt that was obviously an injustice to the quality at the end of the day that I want to put out. But it also did not take away from the pain that I was feeling and the the rawness and the reality of the pain that I am feeling. Um, but I, I think I obviously, not I think, I obviously want to give a better quality or sound of a an episode and that's why I'm re-recording this and I hope I'm going to do it justice um I found a better angle to it um and yeah so going into it I the title of this podcast if you haven't read it already is going to be called the realities of grief and I've chosen to coin it the realities of grief because when I initially wanted to go into this podcast I initially thought of going into how I came about to be grieving and and all of that and a friend of mine once said a good friend of mine once said to me that I'm the kind of person who knows how to share but can still be quite private you know um, and I, when I re-listened to all of that, there was a lot of, because it was not just my story, it involved a lot of other people that are in this grief with me. And I felt no need for me to then expose and to put on blast without their permission um, what we are going through and what we went through on that day. And so I chose to choose a different angle of looking at the realities of grief and I think going through this grieving process for me has taught me something completely different and quite honestly that is the reality of grief because I'm the kind of person that is always looking for the lesson in, in situations and I think the lesson in this situation is the reality of grief and how grief is different every time and grief is different with every person um and that grief is the very unfortunate part of life i've learned that death is a very unfortunate part of life and i can see myself shaking a little bit and i can see myself um getting a little bit teary and so i guess this is the disclaimer part (laughs) to say I may I won't completely lose it but I I may struggle a little bit in certain aspects I may cry a little bit and that's because I'm so very much in grief and I was speaking to a friend of mine and she was like you know I'm so sorry for everything that you went through and you know what you went through last year what you went and I literally had to take a step back and be like what I'm going through and I think that's a, a, a misconception a lot of people have when you go through a hard time, when you go through something quite traumatic and that the trauma has a, a timeline. And I'm going to go into that, but Donna, I think I want to first start with me personally. I think that's the core of, of this, um, uh, this episode in that I, I, I've learned that I, I thought I had a hold on grief. You know, I, I used to 
proudly pro- pro- proclaim and I actually never understood adults or you know people that said oh my gosh guys what do you wear at a funeral I've never been to a funeral or I don't go to funerals and I'm talking about people in their mid-twenties um and I never understood that I was like what and I would proudly have been to more funerals than I've been to weddings I struggle what to wear to a wedding as opposed to a funeral because death has been such a part of my life that I honestly thought I had a hold on it um the first time I ever experienced death was at the age of 11 and I had lost my great-grandmother and someone else may be like well yeah but like that was so far away the people that i've lost in my life are people that have been quite significant to my life and people that i've had like relationships with so in me losing my great grandmother wasn't like a oh by the by thing i had a very good relationship with my great grandmother my dad still to this day says i have her hands um and he used to do this thing when i was small and growing up where he would like take my hands put them next to my great-grandmother's hands and like our hands would be identical and and she would like you know sing songs to me or laugh and you know um and they'd point out things and characteristics that were very my characteristics that is that were very similar to her i had a very good relationship with my great-grandmother and when she passed on when i was um 11 I think that was my first time dealing with death and it was this understanding of a person who was here and you had seen the weekend before now just not like they're just not there and I think as an 11 year old trying to grasp that um, it's it's definitely a little bit difficult it's definitely confusing but I I think I, I did what I could in handling that situation in the best manner that I could and then after that I lost my aunt two aunts of mine no I lost my grandmother so my dad's mom when I was 12 and then I lost two aunts after that and then I had lose friends you know people that I'd either worked with or you know went to school with I remember when I was first year uni I had lost um, a couple of friends at, as well. And then I lost my mentor at the time. I, that death hit me very, very hard. Um, and after that death, I lost my aunt in 2018. That death also turned my life upside down. I remember my brother being the only person in the family that was you know that could tell me because everyone else was like we don't know how we're gonna tell her and so i i've experienced death quite a lot um and i i would always think i had a hold on it i would always think that i i got it i know what's happening i you know and then my best friend passed And I think I had to relearn grief. And I had to relearn grief in a very different um, manner to what I was used to. I had to relearn grief in 
Hey, sorry, I'm, I'm getting tissue now. I had to relearn grief in a manner that I was not used to as well. Because like I said, you think you have a hold on it. You, you're like, okay, this is what it is. And I'm also the kind of person who at my young age could probably plan a funeral. You know, because you know what's going on. You know, okay, you need to do this, do that. And in my head, I've never actually gone ahead and planned a funeral. But because I've been exposed to that world so many times, you kind of know the sequence. And the death of my best friend has taught me and is constantly teaching me that I don't have a hold on grief. And I don't think anyone has a hold on grief. No one knows it completely inside out um, and understands it. And I think I'm learning that that is okay that I don't have a hold on grief and that I'm still learning and that grief is a very very complex thing and it's a never-ending thing I mean I know when I was trying to you know read up on people that have lost their best friends and I'll get into why I did that there were people who was like there were people who there's a girl specifically who was like five years later it was on YouTube I think five years later and I'm still trying to you know move on from the loss of my best friend and I was like oh my god I'm gonna be in pain for that love <laughs> like because for me I'm I'm uh I'm quite analytical by nature you can ask anyone that knows you I'm quite analytical by nature I'm a commerce brain and as a commerce brain you have a problem you want to find a solution and I think that's how I've I tend to approach many things in my life including on a personal basis in that there's a problem how can we solve it and you can't solve grief you really can't one so i remember setting putting up a tweet at the beginning of 2019 and that someone had lost a relative or a loved one and they were expressing that and i and i said i cannot imagine losing any single person in my life right now and i remember that very clearly because it was in january and i remember i think a week or two after that i we got news that my grandmother had passed my maternal grandmother's sister who again had a good relationship with and it was just after I put out that tweet and I was just like, I don't understand what's happening, you know? And that in itself, the way that I grieved her was completely different to how I grieved my aunt the year before. Completely different. It was shocking to me. It was, I didn't understand it. It didn't make sense. And I was like... I, I don't I don't understand what was happening. I couldn't go to church afterwards. I couldn't eat for a bit afterwards. I I, it, I was a mess. And so for me, I would have thought that because grief was so familiar in my life, it's something that I understood or I could put a cap on at any point in time. And so that's, I think, the first thing that I've, I've really come to find in that even in things like grief in life, there are many things that we think we have a hold of. And there are many things that we think we get completely. And sometimes life can throw us a curveball 
to show us that it's okay to still learn in the situation and that that I think that's the takeaway but the main principle would be you don't have a hold on it you know and you then need to forgive yourself in saying it's okay for me to not and that's a very very difficult thing because you see yourself falling apart and you want to fix it and you can't and because I was absolutely falling apart um, and like I say because I thought I had dealt with grief like all my life and therefore I got it I knew it I understood it I realized that this time I couldn't and I think with that said it's important for a lot of people for a lot of black people to realize when you need help to take a step back and say I cannot actually deal with this myself like I think I have a hold on it I think I'm okay but I'm I'm struggling and the people around me don't get that I'm struggling and therefore I need to find a person outside of my friends and my family that can make me make sense of the struggle and so I for the first time in my life I had turned to professional help for grief counseling like I said grief death since I was 11 so here I am thinking I'm a pro at this and I think that was one of the first things that I'd say to Chris so Chris is my psychologist the first thing that I'd say to Chris and Chris was like but one you're not 11 (laughs) and two this is a completely different relationship this was your person you know what I mean and the trauma level what you're going through what you're going through is completely different to how you had experienced the previous days and I found that myself and a family member of hers it's as if we had discussed oh wow discussed 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 <laughs> talked about let's stick to that talked about finding professional help and we actually didn't but when it came up in conversation that oh I'm seeing this person for this and oh I'm seeing this person for this I think it was so mind-blowing to me in how but also quite humbling in how we we knew we both knew we're struggling we can't and I think going to Chris was probably one of the most liberating acts of self-care for myself and self-love for myself to try and like take care of my mental health and to take care of myself because I was deteriorating like I could see myself falling apart at a level that I have never fallen apart before and being around Chris was helpful because this was a person who was validating what I was feeling you know because we do this thing as people where we we want to be okay like the end goal is we we have to be okay but we don't understand that 
in order for you to be okay, you have to go through moments of really not being okay. I mean, it's even in the smallest things when some you're comforting someone and they're crying and you tell them, no, don't cry. But like, why are you telling this person not to cry? This person is, is letting out an emotion in order for them to release, to get to a place where they're okay. But we say things like, no man, don't cry. You know? And I was now with a person who was going to validate the things that I was feeling that I thought myself were crazy. You know, because no one also tells you about the depth of the post-traumatic stress and the trauma of dealing with the death of a... Like, I'm talking about someone extremely close to you now. And how it can be a combination of many deaths prior that you probably thought you dealt with. You know, I was in a, a space where... Chris would tell me it's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to still be in denial. It's okay to still be in disbelief. It's okay to have the nightmares. It's okay to have flashbacks. Like, not that it's okay that stay there, but to make you feel like you're not losing your mind and feel like you're completely unraveling for the worst and I think the moment someone looks at you and says it's okay it gives you the freedom to release and to be and so with this date specifically I think I really have learned how it is and, and I'm struggling with this with this episode and I can feel myself struggling and, and therefore if I don't sound like my normal self, please excuse that because there's so much of me that wants to say the things that I'm feeling and to say them in depth and there's also such a large part of me that is holding back and I can feel myself holding back and I don't know at which point I'll be okay and be and have my shoulders not so up and, and not have my arms on my chest and and feel like this is still a safe space for me but I think that's also part of it in that anytime you've been made or put yourself in a situation of talking about your pain and talking about your grief it's really hard it's really hard and it's it's not easy It's not an easy thing to do. But I think the second reality that I've had to deal with is sometimes you have to seek help outside of yourself. You have to find someone who's going to explain to you that what you're going through is normal and the pain that you feel demands to be felt and that this is the worst time of your life. And they can agree with that. You know, you don't need someone when you say, this is the worst time of my life. And they're like, oh, no, man, come on. You're a strong person. You've been through many, many things. You get through this as well. Mm, Can we just deal with the present? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, Can we just deal with right now? And it's, it's second nature for people to want to help you in getting out of that. 
But I think a professional, what they do is they understand in order for you to get to that stage, they first need to deal with the space that you're in right now. And no one told me to go and find professional help. Um, I just, I, I, I realized that um, I'm still here. And that I'm still here for the both of us, my best friend and I. And therefore I had to, I had to be okay. And I was not going to be okay trying to fix it myself. And I'm not okay trying to fix it myself. And I remember Chris and I were discussing, as it last week? And he was telling me, in comparison of when he first saw me to where I'm at now. And it's such a crazy thing when you actually put in the work of how you can see the growth. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think that is probably... I need to sip some water. That is probably... the the highest benefit of going out and finding help I'm really holding back and I can feel myself and I I I apologize profusely for for that and for the hardness that is coming with uh, with this episode number three for me I think I've also realized as a reality of grief is pushing people away um, I think it's also important for people who are on the receiving end of being pushed away by someone who is grieving and someone who's going through any sort of trauma, you know, may not necessarily just be isolated in grief, that that person is literally just trying to be okay. And in them trying to be okay, they do not have the capacity to involve you in their space. It's not something they're doing on purpose. It's not a conscious decision that they've sat down and made and said, I'm now not going to talk to so-and-so. I'm only going to talk to so-and-so. When they check up on me, I'm only going to talk to so-and-so. On this day and that day, I can only be available in this certain aspect or extent. But that's honestly the core of it in that you are trying to figure yourself out and then again it goes back to the person that is doing the pushing away in that you also need to understand that just because you are going through this traumatic time and this grieving process doesn't mean that those people around you are not hurting seeing you in the state you know I think inching people away and people being pushed away there's hurt on both sides because you're both looking at it from a very specific angle which is very relative to you and there's no coming together of ideas and no coming together of understanding and I think what I have realized in this process is that it's easier to talk to people that you know are going through the exact same thing People who can say, yep, I also had a nightmare. Yep, I also couldn't sleep last night. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to someone who's going to say, 
oh have you tried this and have you tried that you know but that's also not to say that the people in your life don't are, are saying those things out of just trying to brush off your pain it comes from a very very genuine place and I think you just need to understand that right now that's the space that you're in and you guys need to give each other the benefit of the doubt is that what it's called benefit of the doubt is that what it's called I think so yes it should (laughs) if it's not it should um but you also need to give each other space space in saying I welcome your hurt in this space and it's okay for you to be hurt in this space. I'm not going to try and fix you in this space. I'm going to be as patient with you in this space. But also give yourself the permission of saying, I'm bringing you in a space where I'm hurt and I'm not myself. But because I don't want to destroy the relationships around me, I understand that I actually need to do that. I need to allow you in the space where I'm hurting, in the space where it's difficult to breathe, in the space, and explain that space to you so that you can get it and get the full reality of it. And so if that other person is struggling to have the capacity to support you in that space, then they can openly say, I don't I don't know how to help you in this space. And this is what I can do from my um from my from my space and granted these are not the conversations that everyone has you know not everyone comes forth vulnerable and ready to you know put their feelings and have open conversations like this is not how i speak on an everyday basis i don't speak and blooming and wilting and the rebirth and putting in your work that's not how i speak in every single day terms but i think it's also important to then step back and understand the vulnerability of of people and i think once there's communication within vulnerability it really it makes the situation of pushing away and being pushed away a little easier to understand and a little easier to grasp and a little easier to to assist um and to reduce the anger that comes post grief because there's a lot of anger that comes post grief um and a lot of other feelings that come post grief and that in itself is something completely different to deal with from just the death you know and pre the death so yeah i think i think we i've learned that i i need to be careful in in pushing people away in actively pushing people away I think there are people who have just pushed themselves away from me. That's a different point altogether. Or straight away from me because they they just feel very, oh, I don't know what to say to her. Um, I'm not talking about those situations. I'm talking about people who have actively, and also actively knowingly and unknowingly. I think it was pointed out to me a few, a week back or two weeks back, how I was pushing someone away and I, I didn't even know, you know, in my head, I'm, I'm letting you in. I'm telling you how I feel, what I'm going through, but maybe it was not to the extent that this person is used to and therefore this person still felt pushed away, you know? And so I think that's just, 
the 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 difficult reality of the people close to you during during this time um and with that said they i think the environment plays a role in the reality of grief in that um we have this tendency of wanting to move on right so we go through a very difficult time we go through grief we go through trauma and we just want to move on but then also comes the flip side of the coin where it's not that you don't want to move on but you're very much in a space where you're feeling like you're just you're feeling everything you're feeling everything regarding this trauma and the environment around you can either encourage that in order for you to heal or not encourage it and i think people that are dealing with grief and people that are helping people deal with grief also need to be very cognizant of that like what am i showing this person or what am i expressing to this person regarding their grief am i trying to force them to move on am i trying to force them to forget am i allowing them to talk about how they're feeling am i not allowing them to talk about their feelings am i saying you know things come and go keep it moving the environment plays a large role because i can't i came to farm your english my goodness let's try that again i came to find there we go (laughs) that the environment that i was in immediately after the death for me was not as conducive as i would have liked in my healing process you know so there were aspects of it that were very healing to me and and those were certain people or certain person constantly reaching out um and then there was also just the reality of how things just need to get done like things are not going to wait for me to for my migraine to be okay and things are not going to wait for my anxiety to calm down and things were do you know what i mean and that within itself made it very difficult and and when i ended up going to be with my other part of my family for a bit and chris had encouraged that i found such healing in that space because i the space itself without anyone even saying you can cry now allowed me to cry and when i was crying it wasn't a shock to people it wasn't a oh she's crying again or it wasn't a oh just be okay now you know or be okay already it was a space that allowed for me to be and to be in whatever state that I was in on that day, right? Because another thing with grief is that it's different on different days. Some days you can be okay, some days you're not. Some days you're angry, some days you're in denial. Some days you have all of those, but you're pretending to be okay. Some days you don't have all of that and you just want to be okay. Do you know what I mean? And so I think the environment that you're in 
is very important but also the environment that you provide for yourself and saying okay let me create a specific sanctuary for myself let me walk away when this feeling comes up let me it's also important for you as a person that's grieving to create the environment for yourself in how you grieve and how you allow yourself to grieve because it's not going to be solely dependent on all the external factors you also have a role in how you allow those factors to affect you you know and i can say strength on different days is different so i'm not saying every single time a, a negative emotion comes up you know wear your big girl panties and, and get a move on because some days you can't but it's also important for you to say to actually acknowledge those days and say okay today i can't put my big girl panties on and it's okay and allow yourself to have that moment of vulnerability and allow yourself to have that and not say and i've done this many a times oh you know people are going through worse things or just be okay already because now you're also not allowing the environment to that you're in to allow you to grieve and you also need to remember the environment is yourself you know a lot of people say that they want to find someone that they could create a home with my home is wherever i am you know what i mean like if if i can find an okayness within myself wherever i'm at ah I could live under the bridge and I'll be fine. And I think it's so important for us to uh, to create our own environment within ourselves, even in the space of grief, because there is a lot of pain that comes with dealing with trauma that might be a shock to the system, maybe things you didn't expect. And honestly, it's going to be the most difficult thing that you've ever had to deal with. You know and that goes back to what i was saying in that i really the the reality or the used to be reality in my head was i had a hold on things i had a hold on grief i understood grief i understand that there's a funeral process you cry you bury the person the person's gone you guys are you know sad for about a month or so and then you keep it moving that's not the case at all and that the post-trauma that comes with the grief or comes with any traumatic experience is going to be heavy on you and therefore if you don't allow that environment and that softness and that landing for yourself it's going to be even harder to deal with the post-trauma and i think another thing for me that i found that the reality of grief is that no one speaks about the post-trauma no body like i i swear it's only when i went to chris and i was expressing all these things that i was feeling and going through that he would he would nod his head and be like okay yeah yep and i'm waiting for this man to be shocked by something that I'm saying and he wasn't because in all of his years of experience with you know his both his masters with all this all this knowledge in his head he completely understands that this is the reality of grief this is what grief he would say to me so many times immaculate this is grief immaculate this is grief and I'm there like no but Chris I mean, I'm tired all the time. He's like, 
that's grief. I'm like, I don't understand. I haven't cried. And what are the, that's just because you didn't cry yesterday or the day before doesn't mean your body isn't expressing or releasing the pain that you actually subconsciously feel in a different way. And so I, the realities that I've had to deal with when it came to the post-trauma was flashbacks and flashbacks on many things, you know, not just the funeral, our friendship as a whole, our conversations, our life, the life we shared together, um, nightmares, physical pain, fatigue, this sounds really, really bad now that I'm saying it, isolation, and it's, it's different for many, many, it's different for different people, you know, um, I think for me, part of the trauma was also in how I was there from day one, you know, when she said, oh, this and this is happening to me. It feels a bit uncomfortable. I don't understand what's going on. I'm going to go to the doctor and check it out. And me saying, okay, call me when you come out of the doctor, talk me to after the doctor. Okay, then this treatment happened. Okay, then this treatment and this treatment. Then me taking care of her in her being sick, you know, that's also another trauma layer that was added that I think I also didn't realize until all of this started happening you know um, talking to her over the phone hearing her cry over the phone her calling me just to cry there were just so many layers to the traumatic event and the, the, the final event that I didn't realize and I didn't take a step back and 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 say oh this is heavy this is happening and there's also the trauma of having all that faith and that things are going to be okay and being told by many you know people that things are going to be okay being told by people praying over her being told by people healing her being told by people working with her and saying oh no things are going to be fine things are going to be okay and then things not being okay there's that layer of trauma and there's just (sighs) i've realized trauma doesn't end or heal overnight and i think we have that expectation we don't understand why we're having the flashbacks we don't understand why are we having the nightmares? We don't understand the disbelief. We don't understand that the next morning you literally wake up and dial the person's number because you're so used to doing that. You're so used to talking to this person every single morning throughout the day, in the evening, that your mind automatically does certain things. You know, I remember when I was meeting up with a family member of hers and I was picking, getting water for us and I instantly instantly instinctively just picked biltong because she loved biltong and so i picked biltong at the till and then as she's scanning these things i remembered and then i let the biltong go and then the lady's like the cashier's like oh are you not bringing the are you not buying the biltong anymore and now you want to start crying at the till but in your mind you can't because how are you going to explain what's happening to this cashier that just wants to say next please plastic (laughs) you know what i mean 
And so no one tells you about the flashbacks. No one tells you about just not being able to handle things the way that you thought you could handle them based on trauma. I remember straight after the funeral service. Now, I'm the kind of person who is very hands-on in any project, you know. I'm very there's a word that I'm looking for. Um and then now the puzzle word has also slipped my mind. Oh, I'm so annoyed. Okay. But I'm industrious, that's the word. I'm a very industrious person, right? And get into a situation, I know what to do, how to do it, let's figure it out. And with funerals and gatherings as well, I've always been that person. I just always known how to do that. And I remember after the funeral service, I came back and I was standing in the passage in her home. And people were walking past me. And I'm just standing in the passage and I, I I couldn't move and I didn't know what was wrong with me I couldn't move you know and I remember someone asking me whether I've eaten and I said no and they said okay they're gonna come back and bring me food and they said okay now they've put my food in her room I should go and sit in her room I said okay I remember someone like trying to move me from the where I was standing to go and sit down and I, I couldn't move and I just I couldn't move and I didn't know what was wrong with me and Chris was like that's trauma that's grief so I think we go through so many different things I remember with flashbacks as well after her death I would have so many flashbacks of a lot of different things and I remember in a session with Chris I was having a flashback in the session and Chris was um, he had to bring me back to the present and so I'm describing something and I think my mind just I left that room and I was in that situation again regarding obviously my best friend's death and Chris I remember I think I heard him call my name out but it didn't register and I think around the third or fourth time he had said immaculate 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 I then was like oh okay and then I I came back and he was like okay touch what you're sitting on okay count to three okay take a deep breath what am I wearing how many fingers am I holding up Uh, what can you hear what can you smell all of that bringing me back to the present and I think that made me realize truly and honestly and wholeheartedly that I am going through trauma. Like I'm going through a hell of a difficult time and nobody talked about this part of grieving and I don't understand why we don't have a discussion over it because <laughs> warning signs would have been great. And I'm definitely past the flashbacks the the nightmares and the physical pain and the fatigue and the 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 very very bad part of the trauma i'm very much i'm grateful that i'm past that because that is a very very difficult space to be in um and that's the space that i really needed chris's help with because i didn't know it was physically even possible for me to go through that type of situation and you know some other people don't go through it 
and it's okay like i'm not gonna beat myself up now because i didn't go through it a few years back or the year before that and i'm not gonna beat myself up if now two years from now i don't go through this type of and if someone else says oh no i didn't go through that and maybe they lost their mom you know what i mean you know what i mean i'm not gonna say oh no then i shouldn't have i'm not gonna beat myself up about that and i think that's also just so important i think chris really made me realize to stop being hard on myself to stop being hard on myself and how i was dealing with grief and that everything that i was going through hectically at the time was grief and to have someone to make your feelings and your experience valid to me was really really helpful with the post-trauma and i think the other post-trauma that people deal with and that maybe they they're not so vocal about it is being triggered like we joke about that word so much on social media um but being triggered is a real thing you know i remember i was at pick and pay the one time and i got stuff basket full of stuff and i came across pringles I kid you not, I'm in the aisle, I'm teary over Pringles. Because my best friend and I loved Pringles. I remember her mom's best friend made a comment while we were running errands uh, before the funeral. And I was eating Pringles because that's just what I do. I pick up Pringles and I was having Pringles. And she said, oh, these are the chips that you and her like and she was just going on and on and on about how we used to eat pringles and this one time in the pringle situation and i was in and that time when she made that comment i just you know (laughs) politely smiled but i'm pick and pay and i'm trying to get pringles and i literally start getting teary start getting teary i can't speak today my goodness i apologize what is this (laughs) and i start getting teary getting pringles and I, I left the basket and I walked out of pick and pay. And I remember telling Chris about that situation and he was like, you were triggered and it's okay. It happens. You know, I still haven't been able to go into Spur. My best friend and I loved Spur. Where there was, the, anytime we go in, three course meal, we already know. We start with nachos. The waitresses at Spur, they already know, you know. And I remember how on my birthday, because we usually even do it over our birthday, and our birth on my my birthday, I was craving um, nachos, and I had not been craving nachos for like a very long time. But specifically on my birthday, my brain and my memory already knew that more or less I should be eating nachos on this day. Because that's what my best friend and I would do. And I and I remember going to Spur and being like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll get them tomorrow. And I remember going to Spur and standing in front of the door. Because you know they like open the door for you because they can see you. And I remember like a few steps away from the door, I, I just, I couldn't go in. I, I stepped away and I just, I couldn't go in. And I think being triggered has been such a a reality for me and i also understand that it's part of the post-trauma 
and it's also part of grief and that you need to stop being hard on yourself for being triggered over things that remind you of your loved one no matter the experience you know some people their trauma or their grief may be the grief of a friend you know a friend that's still alive but maybe you guys aren't friends anymore maybe a breakup be maybe you know any sort of trauma traumatic experience to you and i think people also need to understand trauma varies you know we're different as people and my trauma may not necessarily be your trauma but if it's traumatic to you it's traumatic to you and your feelings are valid and there's nothing wrong with you going through every single thing that i've mentioned above um as a sign of that trauma and yeah I think I'm slowly opening up I think I'm slowly being less uh, holding back-ish I don't know if that's a word we've we've established that today I cannot speak um, and I'm, I'm glad that I'm not crying and all over the place like I was when I first tried to have this simply maybe I got all the crying out of me but simply because I think it's important for me to try and get what it is that I want to say across so that people can actually identify with the things that I'm saying um and so I'm gonna stop here I'm gonna make it a two-part series the longer conversations tend to be a two-part series um and also i think because it's a heavy conversation i'm giving people time to digest what it is that i've said and i'm going to be going into the stage of grief next i'm going to be going through coping make coping mechanisms um how pain demands to be felt your faith in grief and friends in grief um yeah so i want to thank you so much for spending your time with me i know this is not the usual jolly sounding immaculate but then again i don't think i ever have like parties on (laughs) on my podcast i don't sound like i'm going to a rave um but yeah i i it's a very difficult conversation for me to have and like i said i tried to record it and i completely broke down and i was a mess and so maybe that's actually the the reason why i'm struggling the reason why i am somewhat holding back and the reason why the reason why the reason why the reason why i'm trying because i feel like it's very necessary but I don't think it it takes away from the fact that it's it's difficult. It may not be difficult in how maybe it's being expressed and how someone would be like, oh yeah, if you cried, I know it was difficult. And I think that's also another thing I've realized about grief and how um, grief is different on different days. But I'll go into that in, in, in the ways of coping. Um if you enjoyed this please share it if you know if it's gonna help someone please share it but more than anything if you identify with this 
please listen to part two of conversations with the mighty bit thank you for giving me your time and i hope that i earned the privilege of your time